0: welcome to stop telling and start listening with david cook if you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people this may be just the show for you listen in as david and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today now here is david cook
1: all right, let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, Dave Cook. This is uh, the highlight of my week. It's a great way to start the week with a Monday conversation. And uh, the thing that's really neat about these conversations is we have an opportunity to engage in um, with another individual who has used listening as a powerful resource for impacting the lives of them, uh, their own lives, plus the lives of others that they are interfacing with. And I'm always honored and thrilled that you guys are joining me on this journey today. I have a very special guest, uh, Karen Nowicki, and I'm going to introduce her in a second. But uh, we're going to this this episode is going to be a little bit of a twist. Uh, this is number nine in a series of episodes, and up until now, what we have done is we have talked about listening and how people use listening as a resource for uh, whether it's coaching or teaching or training. Uh, any any kind of personal development. And then last week we had Lori Silverman in and Lori talked to us a little bit about engaging people in their story and how we can actually create prompts to encourage people to tell their story as opposed to asking questions to elicit information. And that, it's real important today because Karen has a great story. Um, you know, it's not, as with every story, I learned a long time ago from a college professor, he talked about adventures And he says, whenever we talk about adventures, it's always, we call it an adventure after the fact, because usually when we look at an adventure, there's a moment where we thought, um, how am I going to survive this? And then we do. And then we have the opportunity to look back and look ahead and say, wow, I got through that. What did I learn? And what do I do going forward? That's the same thing with Karen. I think Karen has a very, very powerful personal experience, but what's drawn me to her more than anything else is how she's taken a very sudden personal experience and turned it into a great growth lesson for herself, for her children, and for anybody who's been following her along and listening to her share um, very authentically, very transparent with transparency, her journey. And um, it reminded me a little bit of you know, the same thing that I went, I don't think Karen went you know out public with her story to create a mass of followers or anything else. What she did was she just started sharing her story because she needed uh, a platform and a place to kind of get through what she was dealing with. And she was sharing it out loud, I think as much to coach herself and teach herself as anything else because otherwise it just stays all bottled up. And we'll talk about that a bit. But uh, watching her, Karen, Karen share her story, I've just developed so much respect for her because she's been very, very authentic and transparent with us. And I love that. So Karen, with that said, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you for having me. We've been excited and talking about this for a while. So I'm glad today is the day.
1: Today is the day. And I hope we have a lot of people listening. And I hope also too, I don't have the number for the to call in, but if you have questions, I hope people call in with questions. But um, you know, I I was very vague in the story. So and I'm gonna leave it up to you to, to tell us uh, as much as you want. But let's 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 start at the beginning. Um where do you want to start at the beginning? Tell me what what brought you here today.
2: Like 1964, when my mom and I, my dad, no. <laughs> Second child, no. Uh, I won't go that far back. Uh, wow, where do I start? Uh, I guess I'll start with the pandemic, um, because I think people can relate to uh, being caught off guard, knocked out of their comfort zone, and my story starts in October, 2019, before really, I think everybody started kind of saying, oh, this is serious. We're shutting down. What are we going to do, right? Um, I um, I have three kids. You mentioned my kiddos. I have a 28, 26-year-old and a 15-year-old. So there's an 11-year gap. There's uh, two marriages there. Uh, went into both marriages, four. Um, thinking that this is it. This is forever. (laughs) And I'm still wired that way. Maybe someday I'll be in another relationship and I will be wired the same way. Uh, My husband, Mike, um, is my second husband and father to our son, Ivan, and um, really felt like, even though we had our own ups and downs, felt like we we were in this forever and that we would grow old together and ride off into the sunset, one probably before the other, but you know how it goes. And on, um, I think it was October 28th, 2019, I got a text in the morning from uh, Mike, and I was on a group text with our baseball families. Our kiddo was 12 at the time-ish playing baseball. And it basically said something like this. Please take care of Ivan and Karen. I can't do this anymore. You've all been good friends to us. I love you. Hmm. And uh, actually, I didn't see the text. I saw it come in, didn't read it, was busy getting ready to go to the studio. A Mom, another mom on that text, who's a dear friend who typically doesn't call. You know, we're all texting these days. She called me right away. And I thought, that's interesting, picked up. And I could tell in her voice, she said, do you know where Mike is? And I said, he's at the shop. Have you read the text? No. And I immediately, head to toe, went into panic mode. Yeah. And she said, you need to get there right away. I had n- no prior knowledge that he would attempt to take his life. And we'll talk about a little bit of that in a bit, because that's something that I still look at. Now, in hindsight, I can go, oh, 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 <laughs> oh, you know, all that. My role, his role, all that. But in that moment, my soul knew. My head was trying to catch up. I ran across the street to a very dear friend of ours, banged on the door, and I said, we've got to get to the shop. And she knew immediately as well. I came to find out later that he had disclosed with her that he was thinking about taking his life and then would joke about it with her and a handful of other people. Never told me because he knew I would take him seriously. Anyway, we get to the shop. It's less than a half mile away. And Two of our friends who were leaving their car there, they were gonna come and have coffee with me while the car was getting fixed were there. So was his mechanic banging on the lobby door. And I said, we've gotta get that door open. And the two guys just busted that door open. Ironically, a neighbor was pulling in the parking lot for a different shop. He's a firefighter. I saw his truck, so I went running as soon as we saw the blood and the craziness. I went not screaming I ran to go get our neighbor and said you've got to help us and called you know just everything so <clears throat> I didn't expect in our conversation Dave to to go to that level I so hopefully our listeners are um compassionate and still with us hmm. What happened after that just to tie it up and then we can we can talk about listening <laughs> and communication and why I chose to talk about it as it was happening is Uh, Mike survived that attempt. Uh, He shot himself through uh, underneath his chin. The bullet exited the top of his head. He had a tracheotomy. He had brain surgery. He was in the trauma intensive care unit for a month. I visited the hospital room to see, you know, try to manage his care and be there for him twice a day, every day, while trying to keep my businesses open and manage my own chaos and unraveling as well as our sons. Very blessed which I know you've seen. I am blessed with a huge community of people who just rallied. Local people, people I've never even met. Um and that's what got me through.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: And and after so after a month of trauma intensive care unit, um he was released to a post acute facility which was only for the physical healing. So PT, OT, speech therapy, all those physical things and Um, That was very frustrating for me. I didn't realize that we were in debt quite as much as we were, which is, um, you know, a whole other aspect of the story. So we had a GoFundMe campaign that family and friends helped bring my house back into um, good standings for my mortgage or our mortgage, Uh, kept me afloat in business and some of the other just basic things for these, I would say, first initial two months. But after that, it was easily the next year and a half. Uh, and they helped pay for this post-acute facility after which the plan, my hope and desire was for Mike to go, um, and get therapy. Um, and while he agreed, I don't know if he, if he is capable or, or willing or unwilling, whatever that is, I don't know. I have to give it up to the universe and say, it's not for me to, to ask why anymore, um, he did not go to therapy to the degree that I felt like he needed to. He quickly went back into his addiction. And while we tried to have a relationship with him at home with us, it didn't work well at all. It was very detrimental to my son's mental health and well-being as well as mine. And um, so it's been since, I don't know, to the end of 2020, and now uh, he and his family have no contact with us. They don't want to hear from us anymore. We would love to stay in touch at least a little bit, especially since I've got a young man who needs a father figure and an extended family. And, um, I have my, my guesses. It's probably because I publicly told my story, my story (laughs) as it was going on. Uh, but good news is I know that he's living recording
0: in progress.
2: I know he's living in another state with his family. I know he's, from what I understand, he's safe. He's got a a, a good job and he's surrounded by people who love him and and that he loves as well. So um, all that is kind of the backstory. I know it's long-winded and I think it's very important, especially now. And I mentioned COVID first, I think. I didn't know why, but now I think I know. I mentioned COVID first because if anybody's been paying attention, We are in crisis right now, mental health-wise, and socially and communication-wise, right? Which is why, David, I love this show so much. We are in crisis when it comes to taking care of ourselves and knowing how to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's why my story and situation resonated with so many people that don't know me personally. uh, Because they could see themselves or they could see somebody that they love in this story, and I have several examples of people who've reached out through private messages and shows like this, uh, conversations, text messages, phone calls that have said, your story has changed either my life or the life of someone I love because I read every journal entry that you wrote in the midst of it, and I, I just could see myself in these situations, and I knew that I didn't want to be where you're at. So I'll stop there. I know that's, that's a lot.
1: That's awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, going and laying laying that foundation because it is very important. And 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 appreciate too what you said is about um, the whole mental health crisis in general. We, you know, every everybody's world was turned upside down in some form or fashion in in uh, in the in the whole COVID experience. And what what I noticed, what I observed, was is that there were people um, who, who tried to find ways to roll with it, and they grew and evolved and kind of survived. But then there was a whole other group of people that were trying to control their life in that situation, and were hanging on to things. And they were, as a result, they started battling internal and external demons to try to get through it, and it created just a, a massive, um, you know, chaotic environment because there were just some people who were. They were stuck, they were lost, they were miserable, and we're still digging out from some of that.
2: Trauma is a funny thing. And and for majority of us, COVID was traumatic. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you were already using coping skills. In your life before COVID, <laughs> and you lost your job, or you had to be holed up at home and you're a social person, or you're living with someone who has an addiction, or I mean any number of things, or you're struggling financially, or whatever it is. Um, if you're already in a place of survival mode and coping, something like that is gonna be catastrophic. And I'm grateful <laughs> to kind of swing to the other side. I while I didn't ever want this or expect it or whatever. I'm grateful that I had already had so many self-care practices and really deeply rooted in self-care before this happened. And, and my son too. I mean, we've, we've seen therapists, we've done EMDR. We've done a lot of things. We've done uh, trauma healing. We've done a lot of things to continue to do well and thrive. And it was traumatic for both of us. And I, again, I'm finally, I would. I think I told you when we talked before the holiday. I think is when we did our pre-call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finally now feeling like I'm humming back and thriving back, almost at a level that I was before 2019. And I'm a. I'm a high. <laughs> I run fast. I run hard. I'm very organized. And I could not find my way out of a paper bag for the last three years. There was just this haze in front of me, like this little glimpse of who I was. And now the haze is finally lifted and I can see her and I can relate to her. And now I'm trying to put the pieces back together again so that I can rebuild, you know, again, the life that I want to have. And I love your opening. I I have never heard the opening of your show before. And I love it because communication and listening is really everything. And and I I love the guests that you've recently had when they're giving us techniques and, and ideas around how to listen. The most important thing I've ever learned that I teach my clients is to listen deeply from within, right? It's not our, it's not necessarily our head. The helmet that we wear is one of our brains. I'm talking about listening from my gut, not our heart. There's three brains, gut, heart, and head, right? We've got to really tap into that gut instinct, that intuition, and it's available for all of us and many, many of us hear it or have lost connection with it because we're running everything from prior programming, telling us ourselves a bunch of BS stories that no longer serve us or maybe never did serve us.
1: Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, the 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 what's what sits in our brain becomes the thing that we continue to tell ourselves. Yeah. And the learning opportunity and a lot of the stuff that we've you know, talked about in earlier episodes is the idea of being curious, you know, curiosity. What does that mean? Where does that go? What um, have them tell me more, or have them share with me more, because there's there's so much more. But if we just rely on our head, our brain says, "Oh yeah, I got it." No, I don't think you got it. If there's more to more to be learned, then go get it. Um, and I think that that's the big that's the big thing. Um, and back to your finding yourself. We did talk about this before Christmas and before the holidays, and we'll talk about this after the break. But um, yeah, definitely, there was a lot of you. In your, their story and the messaging that you were sharing had um, a veil of, I wouldn't say doubt, but it was like questioning. You're questioning. Okay, I'm learning. I think this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm doing. But there was always like, okay, I'm going to try that path. I'm going to try that course. I'm going to follow this intuitive, intuitive step. But there was a moment like in December or so where you basically, so like you said, the cloud is lifted. Oh, yeah, here's where I'm going. And there was a declarative statement that I've got both my feet underneath me. I can see the path that I desire to be on. And I'm just going to pursue that for a while. See where it takes me. Is that a simple summary for you?
2: I think it's that, a great summary. I'm glad somebody's paying attention.
1: Well, um. it's it's well, you're putting it out there. I mean, the least we could do is follow it, right? You well, know, I,
2: I can tell you, and I, I I'm still, uh, I think as long as we're on this earth, and I'd love to find somebody who'd tell me differently. As long as we're on the, on this earth, we're challenged to do exactly what you're saying, Dave. To listen to our thinking, to be a witness to it and decide: is this serving my highest and best or not? And if it's serving me, keep doing it. If it's not, who can I align with? What can I read? What practice can I, you know, develop to change my way of thinking? And and right around Christmas, through another tragic experience, not as difficult, but there's some anguish involved after you know, situations that I hadn't hoped for, um, I'm like, I, okay, I'm not going to let this knock me down. I'm going to keep going. And, uh, I'm pleased to say that I've done that. And I still tell my story, even with as much clarity as I have, there's still doubt. There's still some old stories I'm trying to break loose and I'm enjoying, uh, You know, having this as the conversation, have it no longer tied to 2019 because that really is something that I've I've needed to move beyond. Even though it's always going to be a foundational layer of how I got to here.
1: Right. Well, yeah, it's always it's it's like you said, it's a foundational layer. It's the backstory. It needs to be shared to a point, but it isn't the story anymore. The story is you know who you are, where you are today, and although all the wonderful experiences that came with that, we're going to take a break, but. I'm going to leave you with this thought when I was dealing with my son's um heroin addiction, the easiest way I could summarize was, it was the um, most painful, darkest experience of my entire life. Yet at the same time, it was its greatest gift. And, you know, so when I look back, there's days where I just like, ah, you know, everything hurts when I think about, you know, the experiences that I went through and then I look and see where I am today. I go, you know, celebrate this. Yes. And, and that, this wouldn't have been possible without having to go through that. And I would love to have found an easier way to have gone through it. But it is the journey that I was on, and it's the journey I was meant to take and it's been it's the gift now that it can be for everybody else. So when we come back, we're going to dive into the the learning side of the story what what you know let's explore with uh, Karen, what what was your greatest learning experience and what have you done with that? And we'll uh, on the other side, let's take a break right now.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community.
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: And we're back. This is David Cook with Karen Nowicki. Um, I just uh, this quote popped in my head, so I have to share it. Karen, um, adversity teaches us lessons that we wouldn't want to teach ourselves. It's pretty solid, isn't it? Because very rarely would any of us venture in a growth journey that causes as much um, pain, for the sake of argument, as what you've been through, or you know, comparatively, what I was through with my son. But when you look at the gift on the other side, you say, "Okay, I guess it was worth it." You know, with a guess, because sometimes I just wish I didn't have to deal with yeah, it. But. we
2: would want to go with go through what you and I have been through, right? Anytime that there's life-altering challenges, an illness, a move that we didn't expect or want, or a loss of a job, or a breakup, whatever it is, that stuff's painful. And yeah. and it's that's adversity. That's just personal adversity, not to mention social and political and economic and global diversity. It's a whole nother conversation. And it all begs us to show up and take a look at, I always say, how can I let this situation help me become a better version of myself? If I'm not doing that, I don't know why I'm here.
1: Mm -hmm. Fair enough. That's good. So um, as you went through this and you've shared and, you know, you have the benefit of three years of reflection and hopefully countless years of looking ahead, what would you tell me what you would share as your greatest lesson from over about yourself or the journey over the last three years?
3: Hmm.
2: Uh, well, lots of things are popping up. The first thing that pops up is I can do hard things, <laughs> that I am resilient and fierce and gritty. And how I do all of those things, in addition to loving and learning and nurturing and being week in the middle of all that is my unique recipe and blend it's nobody else's and there's times I question that and think that I should know more be better do it quieter <laughs> and and yet I I don't know how to do that and at 58 years old I'm finally saying maybe that's okay <laughs> uh, so my greatest lesson is, uh, well, two things. One, I'm gritty and I'm resilient, and so I can handle anything, and I will rise like a phoenix. And the other piece of this is, I'm wa- waving the white flag to the universe, saying, "Okay, no more big lessons, please." <laughs> right. Like I, so to go back to listening from a real deep divine perspective, when I listen to myself and change my story, I say that kind of jokingly, and there's also a lot of seriousness into that too. That my story doesn't have to be any longer, that I need huge freaking hard lessons in my life to show that I'm worthy and that I'm capable and I'm loving and that I'm this unique blend of me. And I think I when I look back and I said that earlier, when I look back and think, how did we land here and and where, you know, how is this part of my life? I can trace that, uh, like my abandonment story and, and the um, I'm not lovable story all the way back to childhood where it, it involves my mom <laughs> and um, going through postpartum depression with my kids who are now in their late 20s. Like I can look back and go, like I said earlier, oh, oh. <laughs> and so when I when we talk about listening and and how powerful our mind is, as you mentioned earlier, Uh, I'm changing the narrative. I'm doing everything I can to say I'm open to lessons. I'm also open to miracles. I just would like to make them a little bit more palatable and easier to chew on instead of, uh, you know, trying to shove bricks down my throat. That's
1: right. Get hit by a tsunami. Give me a little tidal wave maybe here or there, yeah. but no no more tsunamis. I'm good.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, if I can t- redirect that story and if I even have a say in it. I know ultimately I don't. Uh, and I'm going to show up, keep showing up in a different vein so that I can continue to be an example and role model of love and light and at the same time uh, being gritty and resilient.
1: Yeah. You know, that was um, one of the things that really jumped out at me with the the story you talked about, you know, listening and in the, obviously when you're sharing what you're experiencing, you're sharing, you know, what you're hearing, what the conversations you're having with yourself, but um, you talked about love. One of the things that really jumped out at me was your focus on, is it Ivan, your son? Yeah. You, you, you stepped up and said, I have to protect him. I have to care for him. I have to see him, you know, sit in with him, sit with him to experience and, and understand what he's going through. Um, to Talk a little bit about that.
2: Well, as parents, as you and I both know, we are we are their greatest protectors until they can protect themselves. And um, I know you and I don't take that lightly, and I'm sure your listeners don't either. And you and I both have experiences with children where, you know, they, they had to find their way the hard way. Ivan is not one of them, but one of my older two kids has um, had a great difficulty finding his way. And uh, and I know that I contributed to some of that difficulty early on as I was trying to figure myself out as, as a young mom. Um, I didn't know any better until I knew better, right? So what's the saying? Mm-hmm. When you know better, do better. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so Through this second marriage with Ivan and and feeling like we really were this solid family unit, all five of us, Um, Madison and Grady's dad is a big part of their life as well. He's become a very great friend, especially through all of this. Um, And with Ivan, he grew up with a more emotionally mature and mentally mature me than my other kids did. And so when this all fell upon us, I knew that I had to be truthful about the pain that I was experiencing, as well as not dumping it on top of him, uh, but being open and candid about the conversations around where we landed financially and how we landed there and, and how does addiction play into this and what is the possibility of addiction is in his life since it's on both sides of our families. What is mental health? How do we manage mental health? It's on both sides of our family. I've experienced depression and you know those kinds of things I've had to really... Um, be there for him and let him feel all of his feelings. I think that's what it comes down to, especially with our boys. We don't give them an opportunity to feel their feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Shut up, stop crying, toughen up, don't be a wuss, you know, all that. And, and it's, again, I think it's doing us a great disservice uh, by not giving proper time to feel an emotion, again, witness it and let it pass through our body. That's the job. We either you know, shove it deep down in there, so we don't can't can't uh, deal with it, and then it becomes disease, and disease becomes disease, and all that craziness. Uh, so, being that this is what I do as a profession, I make sure that my kiddo um, has these experiences and conversations. I will tell you that recently, I said to him, "I think you and I need to go see a counselor and a therapist together." We were bumping up against a couple fifteen year old, you know, and mom things. Um, as it relates to homework and priorities and not staring at our phone all the time, both of us. Um, and he, he said, Mom, I'm pretty sure we can figure it out. And by the way, just so you know, I hate therapy is what he said to me. And I laughed. And I know he means that. And he's also the same kid that as recent as six months ago, he came to me and said, I think I need to talk to Julie again. I've got something coming up that I need to take care of. So I know my clients don't like to come see me, <laughs> um, most of them, especially when there's something really crunchy and they're bumping up against. And they also know in working with me that when they're in there, they're going to have that breakthrough. They're going to be able to feel that emotion, let it pass, and find the light and the gift on the other side of it. So uh, yeah, he's he's a resilient kid as well. He's my teacher. Um I went through some heavy stuff around the holiday. I know I shared that with you uh, when we did the pre-call. And again, I didn't intend to lean on him. That's not a kid's job in a relationship with a parent. And he saw the tears. He saw me uh, really struggling again. And he just would come and wrap his arms around me and give me a hug and say, I love you. And, you know, there's going to be someone after this and that kind of thing. And I'm grateful for as uh, savvy as he is. And he's really coming to know himself pretty well, which... I think is great because he'll be a great leader someday. He'll be great husband, great father, if that's the avenue he chooses. And and I will say, it's not me. I feel like I'm taking a lot of credit and maybe some of the credit is due. I'm going to go back to the greater community that has been loving on this kid well before 2019. Um, baseball families, wrestling families, neighbors, uh, teachers parents of friends um again even people like you who've just reached out and left a you know a warm message for him on on um, on social media this kid has grown up with that um being kind of my spotlight a little bit in the work that I do on social media he doesn't like it so much anymore so I leave him out of it <laughs> and he's always enjoyed when people have been cheering him on and uh knowing that he's just a normal kid like everybody else and and been somebody who's spoken loudly about uh, what's got in his life, just like his mom.
1: Well, I think that that's the one of the the great gifts that you've given your son is, you know, back to Brene Brown used to talk about um, when you're authentic with somebody else or transparent with somebody else, you're giving them permission to be authentic and transparent with you. And so, yeah, you're not you're not dumping your story on Ivan, um, you know, But what you're doing is you're sharing with him exactly where you are, and allowing him to sit with you in it. He can choose how he wants to sit in you because you're not bringing him saying you have to sit with me while I complain. But you're inviting him in, giving him an opportunity to sit with you. But then the reverse is that by inference, you're saying we can do this all the time together. We could do this anytime we want. You can share. I'll sit with you. I'll share. You can sit with me. We can find our way. And I think it's a great gift because back to the whole you know, pre COVID, we, we spent a lot of time as a society trying to, you know, social media, we tell our bullshit stories and, you know, life is perfect. And look at me celebrating my trip or my promotion or my cool car or whatever. And that's not what's really going on. What's really going on is something else, much deeper and more complicated, but we don't know how to share that. And so what a great gift you've given your son in allowing him to see you in your rawest, most authentic self.
2: I'd love to share a story that you made me think of. If if we have a moment for yeah, that. Yeah, go for it. So um, not too long long ago, he decided to break up with his little girlfriend. Again, he's just a freshman. Uh and first and love he, though. Well, not the first one. First one was fifth grade. <laughs> I should probably tell that story too. But he's he's a lover like his mom. He loves people and he loves the idea of being in love. And and again, I'm very careful about what that means for him and you know that kind of thing. Well, he um Over the holiday, like me, was going through some difficulty. And the little girl was over at our house Christmas Eve or whatever. We go bowling with my other two kiddos the next day. And he's kind of low. And we all noticed it. It wasn't until we got home that I was telling him about wanting to invite her to this surprise that I was going to give both of them for for Christmas. And he looks at me. And he's like, don't do that. And I said, what happened? He said, well, I broke up with her. And he starts crying. And he'll hate me that I'm telling this story. And I think it's important because I gave him space to cry and feel it. I said, well, do you want to talk about what happened? And he basically described what was happening. And to be sensitive to this girl, if she ever finds her way this, I'm not going to describe it. It just it turned out that they're not a good fit. And he, and he felt like he had given her many opportunities uh, to be a good fit with him. And um and he was devastated because he said, I really love her. I really like her, right? Whatever that means for a 15 year old, that's real. Now, I could have said, This is your first love. You'll get over it. There's more fish in the sea. Don't, I mean, I could, I... boy, those things were running through my head. I wanted to advise, and I just knew that I needed to be quiet and sit with him. And I think he must have cried, my cries last a lot longer than this, but I think he must have cried for maybe six minutes, he came over he gave me a hug I just rubbed his back in silence, and I just said what do you need he said nothing and then like a light switch, you know, he sits up and he's like, I feel better. (laughs) And I'm like okay good. I'm glad you do. And just know that in another day or two or a couple hours, you may not feel great again. Just give yourself space to feel this so that, again, it can pass through you and you can move through it. And by the next day or two, he was completely fine and moving on, right? I... I would love to tell the fifth grade story if I could. Do we have time?
1: Yes, Go ahead. We're going to have to gonna have send a message to Ivan and say, don't ever listen no, to this radio no. show.
2: <laughs> right. Can we block him and then his little friend? Yeah. No yeah. Actually, I think he's probably very used to this. Fifth grade. So years ago, I get a call from the nurse and the nurse says, hey, and it was right after school had started. Uh, he's in the nurse's office. He's in tears. He's not feeling well. And I'm thinking, well, he ate breakfast. What, like what could have happened in the... 30, 45 minutes that I dropped him off. So I said, can you put him on the phone with me? He can barely talk. He's heaving. I'm like, wow. I'm thinking something must have happened on the playground because I know he wasn't sick when he left this morning. So I said, I'm going to come pick you up. I get there. He's calmed down a little bit. It's about 10 minute drive. We get in the car. And I said to him, is it physical sick, do you think? Or did something happen today at school that made you sick? And he said, a little of both. And I said, well, I kind of gathered that. What happened? And he said, I didn't want to tell you because I knew you wouldn't pick me up if I told you. And I said, Well, I don't know about that, but let's find out. And he's right. I probably wouldn't have. Now, now I know. So and so broke up with me. And he started Aww. crying. And we're sitting facing the playground in our car, and everybody's in the classroom. And it and I, and in that moment, to your point, Dave, I knew it was heartbreak. He was experiencing his first broken heart. And he's right, sadly. I likely wouldn't have picked him up if I had known that. And now when he calls and says, Mom, I'm I'm not doing well. I need a break. I know that's code for I need a mental break. And depending on the situation, we'll talk through it. And I'm either picking him up or I'm saying, hey, can you hang in there? And we've done a variety of both, right? I mean, he's a he has all gifted classes, he's a smart kid, everything. And mental health is everything. And broken hearts are freaking real. So mm-hmm. I just you know, it's, it's real. And I had to give him space to feel that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the listening and the listening that we do that, you know, the, the big aha for me was instead of shaming, guilting and yelling at my son for all the reasons why he didn't find a recovery. Um, the aha moment came for me. It says, I, wait a minute. I'm 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 trying to be the parent that I need to be instead of being the parent he needs me to be. That's an entirely different thing. So meeting my son where he is in his addiction is the gift, right? Because that's me loving my son unconditionally. And then my son knows that he can be safe with his dad even when he's high, which is very controversial with parents when I talk to them about it. But I knew that my son, if he's visiting his dad, he's visiting his dad for a reason. If he's visiting his dad homeless and high just to sit and hang with his dad, he's hanging with his dad for a reason. He's not asking for money. He's not asking for He's asking just to come over and hang out. And I was thinking like, you know, what I've done is, uh, you know, and I'm again, like you said, it's not about me, but it's. What I did was I created a safe space for my son to be safe in his, to be safe in his. And now, I don't know if he wanted it, if he, you know, when we would talk about his situation and the vague answers. And so I realized that wasn't who we just needed to hang out. And I think that that is such a powerful message because we do so many times the first impulse is to let's tell them what they need to know let's tell them what they need to do let me give them a way to fix it and like you said you learned with ivan is no i don't need to need to let him share with me what he's experiencing so that he knows that he can not only with me but that he has permission to be authentic about who he is where he is
2: i love that and i'm not always good at it well, right? The other day day I was in his room staring at his closet and he had a lot of um, empty hangers in between his really organized rainbow color clothes from white to black. And while we're chatting, I'm not, I'm not facing him. I'm facing the closet and I'm picking up the hangers and moving them. And I'm moving a whole group of hangers to one end, like my closet organized. And he finally says to me, what are you doing? And it was automatic. And I said, well, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Mom, stop. Like, I have the hangers there for a reason. I'm like, oh, shoot. That's
1: right. It's my system.
2: <laughs> and so I had to put them back, and I didn't get them all right. Now now he's, he's kind of mad at me, and for good reason, right?
1: Yeah. yeah it's like... Oh, that's right. There's a boundary. I just, I just crossed a boundary that totally I had no. Totally
2: be- leaps and bounds jumped over that boundary, without right. even paying attention. The control me just thought there might be a better way, and I was not correct.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. It, 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 it's it happens. It's it's parenting though, because we, you know, when we we start out with our kids when they're you know you know x years old, just little infants, we organize everything. We set the timetable and the curve, and there. But there's a point where you recognize that you got to turn it over to them. Yeah. And the earlier, the better. And you teach them boundaries and rules and all that other stuff. But uh, anyway, we're going to take one more break really quick and we'll come back because I, um, I will have to have a little bit more conversation on this on boundaries and parenting and listening and parenting. But uh, when we come back, we'll talk about that. Stay tuned.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered, in a significant, transformational way, the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show Stop Telling and Start Listening provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening. Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community.
0: You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David.
1: And we're back. Um, Dave Cook here with uh, Karen Nowicki. we're going to run out of time, you know, like you have, we could, we could go about a thousand different ways, but before we go into the next topical area, because I know I always run out of time, take a few moments and tell me a little bit about you. And if people wanted to connect with you and reach out to you or talk to you, what, what's the best way for us to get in touch with the great Karen Nowicki and have good conversations.
2: Thank you. So I think the best place is LinkedIn. If you are a business owner or an executive leader, professional. LinkedIn is great. It's just Karen Nowicki, N-O-W-I-C-K-I. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, My overall company is called I Nudge LLC because I nudge people to be the best version of themselves. Sometimes that looks like a hug and a little nudge, a little encouragement. Other times it looks like my cowboy boot up their butt (laughs) and a big shove off the cliff. Uh, Depends on what they need. And then I also own and operate Phoenix Business Radio X, which is a B two B podcasting and radio show platform. Uh, so, really, I would love to hear from people uh, with with where they're at in their lives, and if I can't help somebody or they just want to connect, I can direct them to somebody else who can.
1: That's great. Yeah, I, I was thinking when you said nudge, yeah, there's no way that if you if I was working with you, I wouldn't get a nudge. No, I'd get I get I'd get hit upside the head or something like that. Say, dude, wake up! But um, yeah, you've um, You know, I I, I cheated you a little bit on the intro because I didn't talk about your business experience, but you're you're a very in-depth trained coach um, and you work with uh, business executives and individuals and companies and stuff like that. So I want to make sure everybody knows that, that, you you know, Karen's not just some crazy woman on Facebook that you have a very, (laughs) very... Very, very strong, viable coaching business, and
2: and she is that crazy, crazy lady on Facebook too. She's (laughs) right.
1: Well, it's it's fun being crazy. So I I like I like a little bit of crazy. Sometimes I like a lot of bit of crazy too. Yeah. You know, before we went to break, we we jumped on something that wasn't in my list of things to talk about, but it came out. You know, the our experiences as parents and how we love our kids, how we listen to our children. But a big component of that is also, too, how we um, create our own boundaries, but also how we create and respect their boundaries. And you've been working on that very hard with Ivan because, you know, you the, the, your, you know, the experience has forced you to be more attentive than ever before. And like you said, years of experience and wisdom with your other children and stuff like that. Um, tell me a little bit about you and your boundaries and how you how you set them up and how you honor them protect them yeah and his
2: uh, yeah well we talk about boundaries at home a lot and i we both cross them. I just gave the example of me crossing his boundary in his bedroom with trying to remove move his hangers for him, which I, had, I have no idea what that was about. And there I was doing it. Uh, the boundaries that he needs to maintain. Um, we are very close. I, I don't use the word friends with my kids until they're, you know, like 18, 20 out of the house. Um and, and yet he and I have been through something very unique together. And so we have this very different bond than I have with anybody else. There's nobody else that knows the experience that I've had with his dad, quite like what his own experience he's had with his dad. And, and it's very unique and different. Um, and he's 15, right? So he's and he's got a great sense of humor and he can be a real smart ass sometimes. I don't know if I'm allowed to use that on Voice America, but there we go. <laughs> um, and... And while I think he's funny, there's times that he crosses the line with how he talks to me and, and thinks that he's my buddy. And so I'll have to remind him, I'll hey, not okay. <laughs> I'm not your, you know, I'm not your classmate. I'm not your teammate. I'm your mom. I deserve respect. Uh, and we just constantly talk about boundaries and it has to go both ways. There's chores that he's responsible for at home, um, a lot more than maybe most kids his age who are as busy as he is. And again to your point, it's just the two of us. And I'm doing everything I can to keep my businesses afloat and 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 uh, try to be home a lot. And that's hard to do as a single parent. So he's gotta pick up some of the slack and I keep thinking it's gonna, you know, he'll know how to have these things done for himself when he moves out, when that's when that time comes. Uh, and I don't think there are really any special or unusual boundaries. It's the conversation and the listening. to Again, the whole point of our conversation on your show today, Dave, is to be in listening and to get out of my own way and see him as a, as a reflection and a mirror of me. Both good and bad. So when he annoys me or I'm triggered and I'm like, oh boy, and I'm muttering under my breath. What a jerk. I have to remind myself that this is a trigger. And this is something that's showing up for me. That's really not about him. He's just the messenger. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we've created re- recently is this five minute timeout because we kept butting heads and he knows how to go right for the chest. Like, you know, like you know how you play with somebody and they sit on their chest and they poke that bone on your chest. Well, he still does that to me when he can pin me down because now he's three inches taller than me and stronger. <laughs> But he'll emotionally and mentally do that to me, too, it, when we get into a battle. And I find myself wanting to just go back in there and you know show him what's what. So we've had a conversation recently, probably three weeks ago, where we both agreed it's not the most helpful or healthy way to show up for each other. It's starting to tear at the fiber and the fabric of this deep relationship we have. And now both of us got really clear what it looks like. It's going to be, hey, I need five minutes. I'm taking five minutes. Either one of us can say it. For those of us who can see the video, I'm putting my hand up with the five and kind of putting it out there so there's a visual cue as well. And each of us have done it a handful of times and we're literally stepping away. We agreed that we would set a timer if we needed to and then come back. And the point of that five minutes is not to go look at our phone or play a game or for me to get busy with work and a phone call. It's literally to sit in personal quiet listening what part of this do I own? <laughs> mm-hmm. What is here? What is here for me to learn from, and how can I go back to the place of loving and caring for Ivan and he with me, so that we can start with that as the foundation instead of the disharmony and disconnect? And it's and it's working. It's amazing that it's taken us this long to get to something so simple, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's a great uh, a great way for us to remember what our boundaries are and the foundation of love above everything else.
1: That's great. That's beautiful. You know, when I used to work with, uh, do work with moms and dads uh, in the addiction world, um, I told them that the the, the biggest challenge is, is not to respond emotionally you know, to highly emotional situations. And what you've done is you've created a, an environment that says, okay, when we recognize we're there we support each other in going to a di- creating a different space we you know in we're not going to stay in the fight we're not doing the scorched earth thing let's call a timeout step aside clear our head organize our thoughts and then revisit it and that would be what i would share with moms and dads to say i understand you want to talk you you know con- confronting your child and accusing them about being high when they're high is only setting yourself up for an argument because they're going to tell you they're not even though you already know intuitively that they are so what's the sense of even asking a stupid question that you know are you high because you know they're going to lie. i hate when my son lies to me well you put him in a situation where he can't say yes so he's going to say no yeah. and i said so what you could do is is that two days later when you're sitting with them and they're not high and tensions are lower you can talk about your feelings as it related to the discomfort of their behavior And you can share with them what you experienced at that moment. So they know what it's like to be a dad or a mom dealing with a kid who's struggling with whatever it is, as opposed to telling them how wrong, stupid and irresponsible they are.
2: They're not going to hear you anyway, especially in the state that they're in.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a beautiful gift. Um, We used to the exercise that I do with people is um, what I will do, what I won't do, what I desire and what I won't tolerate. And then we, you know, that's, that's my boundaries. And once I state my boundaries, now I have a responsibility to protect and defend them. But at the same time, because I've shared them with you, you have a responsibility to honor them.
2: What I will do, what I won't do, and what I will
1: do What I desire and what I won't tolerate. I like it. And so the first two are emotional. They're value statements is obviously with this. Is what I won't, you know, what I will do, what I won't do is this is my behaviors. This is what I stand for. What I desire is our vision for our relationship or a vision for you and your life. And then what I won't tolerate are, are um, deal breakers. And one of the deal breakers that you use a great example, when Ivan gets too comfortable with you, you say, time out. I'm your mom. Okay. That's not a behavior that I'm going to, you know, I'm working out. That's not a platform we're going to play in and so you remind them of a hard boundary which is you know what I won't tolerate. I won't tolerate being disrespected or talked to casually or demeaned or anything like that. That's an entirely different than what I will do and what I won't do. So that's how I structure those.
2: And the word toleration is so exciting, like I've got chills head to toe. It's a <laughs> conversa it is. It's a conversation I have with clients a lot. It's often in the things that we tolerate that we really would not want to, whether it's our own relationship with ourselves or other people, if we just even looked at our tolerations and made clear boundaries about those, the the do's and the do nots, we I think we'd find our life in greater harmony. I love that.
1: Well, thank you. Um, unfortunately, we ran out of time, so we're gonna we're gonna have another conversation, Karen. I can guarantee you that. Um, but uh, you know, this is this has been great for a lot of reasons. But I again, thank you for being authentic. Thank you for sharing your journey um, on Facebook, because I know you've gotten a lot of notes and stuff like that. It takes courage, to be honest, (laughs) as we're finding. It's sad that it does take courage, but it does take courage, to be honest. But I think what the other thing is, is that you weren't just venting. You weren't just sharing. What you were doing was you were growing in front of us. And that was a great lesson for everybody, because we got to experience the the journey. So thank you for being on the show today. And I really, really want to honor the work that you've done and the work you continue to do.
2: Thank you. Thank you for being on the journey with me. And it's a pleasure to be with you in this way, Dave.
1: All right. Great. Next week, we're going to have a sales guy, Dave Tear, um, sales coach that I know from Detroit for like 20 years. We'll talk about listening according to a great salesman. In the meantime, everybody have a great week. Keep your R's, uh, ears, heart and mind open and stop telling and start listening, because once you start listening, everything changes. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week.